Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Are you ready to build your small scale life? Welcome back to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and I'm really excited to be back here with you. In this 176th episode of the Small Scale Life Podcast, we're going to discuss becoming the gray man in uncertain times with Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, and Mr. Tactical J. In case you don't know who these very cool guests are, let me introduce them to you. Glenn Tate is a lawyer, the author of the 299 Days book series and co-host of the Prepping 2.0 podcast and syndicated radio show. Shelby Gallagher is author of The Great State book series and co-host of the Prepping 2.0 podcast and syndicated radio show. They work together, their husband and wife team. Way to go, guys. And then we have Mr. Tactical J. He's my good friend and frequent guest on the Small Scale Life podcast. He hails from somewhere on the East Coast, and he's involved in healthcare and a firefighter. So welcome to the show, guys. We're really glad you're here. Thank you again. We recorded this podcast live on the Small Scale Life YouTube channel on the day after the election. Of course, at the time of publishing this podcast episode, we seem to have a new president-elect now. Times are a-changing, indeed. Oh my goodness, it's changing. So as far as this podcast is concerned, it was a great test of the StreamYard live streaming technology with YouTube, especially with four participants spread across the United States. I'm pretty excited that this went better than expected. I was a little nervous it was going to blow up on me, but we went for an hour and a half and it went better than expected. So we'll be live streaming on the Small Scale Life YouTube channel more often. Now, before we get into it, we have to do the Hall of Heroes. You know what I'm talking about. It's hard to have a bad day when you start your day with gratitude. So as part of intentionally practicing gratitude, I'm starting this podcast episode by recognizing some folks who've been active on small scale life. First off, again, so grateful. We have Dan, Sue, and Jules. Awesome, Jules. Everybody's been working really hard on moving, uh, removing buckthorn and honeysuckle and prickly ash and other little other trees off of Eagles Ridge. We are really making an impact there you can really see the change so thank you guys so much for doing all that work we'll continue to bribe you all with food right food and water it's all good and we also had cal massey from atlantis gazette for being on the small scale life podcast and sharing our podcast with his audience so that was on our last 175th episode of small scale life and you can find the link in the show notes and smallscalelife.com of course mr tactical j for being such a good friend setting up my esteemed guests and helping people when they need it Mr. Tactical was on Prepping 2.0 really early in the series, probably episode nine or so, and uh, made a great connection with Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. And I have to thank those two, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher, who took time from their busy schedules to be on the show and share their ideas and opinions with us. I mean, we had them the day after the election. These are authors and really busy people. They have a big show and all that kind of stuff, and they were on our podcast. So thank you so much. I have so much appreciation for them, and it was a really good conversation. Of course, I have to thank my two Texas Tornadoes, Michael Bell and Drew Demler, for including me in their little... um uh, they got a little project that they're going to be starting, so it'll be kind of fun to uh, work with them on that. And, of course, Adam Rick for meeting up with me and discussing his ideas and projects. So there's some really cool stuff going, and I really hope to amplify their 
little projects when it comes around. Of course, we have Chris Geisler for being a guest on the future Escape Velocity episode of the Small Scale Life podcast. That'll be coming up really quick. And we've got uh, new members from the Small Scale Life Facebook group. Welcome to the group. I hope you all enjoy it. Feel free to interact, share, put a story up there, do, you know, become part of the community. And of course, we have our Small Scale Life Facebook members, Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan, the be friendly man. He's been active. We also have John, Catherine, Linda, and Joshua, all of those folks have just been active and commenting and sharing information. Linda's got some cool stuff going on down there in Texas. What's with all these Texas people that can grow stuff? We are actually, we had 70 degrees today. It was gorgeous. We're not growing stuff outside right now because we're going to have snow coming soon. So awesome on you all, Texas folks for growing stuff. I love it. It's good to see something green and I miss my gardens very much. So thank you all for listening to this episode. If you want a shout out in our next Hall of Heroes, we'll get active and participate on Small Scale Life, right? Send us a comment, put a comment on the website, put a comment on uh, join up the, the Small Scale Life Facebook group, get on the newsletter, just be active, right? Be active, share this podcast, and we will make sure to give you a shout out. So what are you grateful for? That is my question to you, maybe you should tell that person or that organization, give it a try. You'll feel better. Start to develop that habit, right? And you'll start to practice gratitude like we all need to do. One more thing. Do you have a side hustle or a small business? Some of you have great projects, side hustles, or small businesses going on right now. Perhaps you want to share your story with our audience. We could learn a lot from you, especially me, and it would be free advertising for your project, Side Hustle Idea. I mean, let's face it, Christmas is coming up. The holiday season is coming up. Maybe you got a really cool product that you want to sell. Hmm? Maybe you'd like to advertise it on the Small Scale Life podcast. Share your story here. Send a message to me using the Contact Us page on smallscalelife.com. This is your chance to teach us as we continue to learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day. I mean... Glenn Tate, he inspired me to do some stuff for Small Scale Life. So more on that very soon. Let's get on to the main topic of this show. Our topic is becoming a gray man in uncertain times. And I don't know about you, but I think we live in incredibly uncertain times. There are threats all around us in our community, online, and on the road. As we look at current events and what's happened in 2020 to date, it's quite clear that we're entering a new era. Things are changing in the United States. What do I mean by this? So we have tech companies, intelligence agencies, and other groups track our every move, search, and interest online. I mean, have you ever, you're, you're talking to somebody about pressure canners, and you go on to Facebook and all of a sudden, hey, an advertisement for pressure canners. Or go on to Amazon. Hey, there's ad, uh, there's 15 different pressure canners waiting for you. They're listening. So how do you protect yourself there? We have government, security forces, and intelligence agencies that installed a myriad of camera networks and use facial recognition software to monitor our every move. And having been on different projects, I know this stuff exists. And we were considering putting this, some of that in. Same time, we have the national coin shortage and global pandemic have resulted in a change from paper currency to electric electronic purchasing, making purchases discoverable and traceable. So that is going on as well. And then we have cancel culture. Speaking the wrong words to the wrong people result in loss of employment, loss of status, loss of future opportunities in polite society, and literally erasing us from the internet and payment processing. It isn't getting easier, people. A lot of things are going on. So in the Soviet Union and other communist states, people learned to adapt to continual surveillance from government agencies and political opponents, and sometimes their own family members. They became gray men and women. They blended into the background and hid in plain sight. 
We only need to look at nature to see how other creatures use the background to blend in their environments. Deer are brown in the summer and change to a grayish brown in the winter. Moths blend into, blend into tree bark. Fish are gray or sand colored to blend into the coral or the bottom of the, of the ocean, right? So they're using that environment. They've evolved. They're not just hanging out there uh, unless they're in a big, huge school. So I define being resilient as being able to withstand incredible changes and adversity while we keep moving towards our goals. Being canceled or erased clearly is a catastrophic event for many people. So the question is, how do you become a gray man or woman in uncertain times in this incredibly and in this increasingly technocratic and surveillance heavy world. And we talk a lot about about a lot of things and it, it doesn't stay on this topic for long. We do get into homesteading, we talk into side hustles, we talk into about uh, different small business ideas. We talk about prepping 2.0. There's a lot of areas we dive into. So it's not just on becoming a gray man, but there's some good ideas for that too. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, we're live. So anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. So welcome to the Small Scale Life podcast. Welcome to the live stream on the Small Scale Life YouTube channel. I've got some great guests today. My name is Tom. I'm your lovable, huggable host, but I've got some great guests today, day after the election. So there's a lot of good things to talk about, but we're, we're really focusing on uh, tips for being a, ba a gray man or a gray woman in uncertain times, and we're getting into some really wicked uncertain times. But I, my panel is great. I've got two uh, below me in the in the chat. We've got uh, Mr. Glenn Tate, author. Hello there. Yes, Shelby Gallagher, author extraordinaire. And then I've got Mr. Tactical, Mr. J, over up to my uh, right, left, wherever we are. So over there, so <laughs> on the Hollywood Square. So yeah, welcome to the show, everybody. Really glad you're here. Thank you for your time and, and your expertise. And uh, why don't you introduce yourselves? I, I'm just reading the names, but tell, me, tell us what you want. About Ladies first. Yeah. It's my Ladies apology. first. I'm Shelby Gallagher. I am author of a three-book series called The Great State, and I'm also a co-host to a podcast radio show called Prepping 2.0, co-hosted with my husband, Glenn Tate. Your turn, Mr. Tate. Oh, I am Glenn Tate. Not my real name, but we'll get into that when it comes to Gray Man stuff. Um, um, author of a 10-book prepper novel series uh, called 299 Days came out in 2012 and 13 and 14 um kind of sort of predicted a lot of stuff hate to say it but it's true um <laughs> yeah. and um and i i didn't think i was an author I'm, I'm a lawyer and just like a regular dude i sue the government so i don't want people to think i'm a dirtbag i'm not a dirtbag lawyer i don't hang out with lawyers i don't like lawyers but anyway <laughs> i don't dress like a lawyer how many Lawyers have like a real tree hat that says, you know, raise hell and eat cornbread. It's pretty rare. So anyway, there's that. And then um, uh, Shelby and I um, started a podcast, Prepping 2.0. Um, the website, by the way, is prepping2-0.com. And it has, I think we'll be talking about it more in the show, uh, later in the show, because it's kind of an interesting story, I think. The show has completely exploded. It's got mm -hmm. huge. Doing videos now. We're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, a lot of people want to hear about preparedness and, and especially that intermediate level. You can tell by the name of the show, Prepping 2.0, that it's the next level of prepping. We don't mean that as any kind of like elitist thing, like we're not 
you know, raising our nose at beginners because we were all beginners and everyone should be a beginner at prepping, but then they should go to that next step, which is largely focused around community around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't mean like your city uh, could be, I guess, but it's mostly your family, your tribe, your mutual assistance group, your team, your crew, whatever you want to call it, and the uh, surrounding neighborhood and making sure things go smoothly that way. So that's what Prepping 2.0 is about. And I think a lot of people want to hear about that topic because the podcast has gone bananas. So good. We're glad to get some information out. And we candidly talk about things. Shelby and I have been prepping for about 10 years. Things that we've learned. And we are very candid when it comes to stuff (laughs) that we did wrong. And we'll laugh at ourselves and be like, hey, don't do this. That was super dumb. So, um, yeah. And and there's a little bit of humor involved in the show, too, which is kind of hard to do when the you know, the topic is the world ending and, and you're, you're being funny. I don't know. That's, that's a plus. So there you go. That is the book series and uh, the show prepping 2.0. And I, I should note Shelby is, Oh, she mentioned that she's wearing a mask because of um, stalkers and stuff. She's not wearing a mask because she loves complying with government <laughs> orders. That, that is not, trust me, that's not it. Um, she's more into wearing masks to maybe like, rob a bank that would be horror <laughs> style so anyway there you have it only in minecraft only in minecraft <laughs> uh, mr jay i don't know if you're still uh still around hey well, let's introduce yourself man uh jay all That's right it. no i'm kidding yeah. <laughs> i'm joking um so i uh i've been on the show a couple of times i was nice enough to i think i reached out to chubby and glenn about medical preparedness <laughs> And we kind of, as their podcast was in the formative stages, I did a, I think about an yeah. hour or so with mm-hmm. them and had a good talk about that and shared some ideas about different types of medical kit to have, uh, things like that. I am in healthcare. I'm also a firefighter. So I have the uh, experience, the hands-on experience with some pretty chaotic stuff. And I've learned a lot from everybody in this chat room, both their work and their podcasts. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and I've got to I've got to thank Jay. He was the one that turned me on to your books, Glenn. So that's kind of how, and then I followed right into Shelby. So I've I've been listening to your podcast since early on, and uh, it's good stuff. I I'd like to say that I had my uh, Grant Matson days of khakis and kind of doing the consulting thing as an engineer, and really it was the the 2008 crash that was like. All I do is work. I don't have anything else. I need to really start getting other skills and getting better prepared for things. And if my job goes away, we're in big trouble. So that's mm-hmm. – and I was living in Illinois, so go figure. <laughs> Jump from Illinois to Minnesota. So, yeah, that's uh, that's really good stuff uh, here at Small Scale Life. We're all about um, – you know, we've talked about homesteading and growing food. Uh, we've been talking about building community around you. And uh, getting financially free and, you know, you can't really prep or build a homestead or really do anything if you're living hand to mouth and there's no money in the bank, right? Or no money in your tank. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's really what we're all about. And being resilient, more resilient is really an uh, important thing. So as we look at today's topic, our world right now, we are in a great, great chaotic time, I would say. Um, I know you all have done things and prepared yourselves 
there's a lot of people out there that are hanging out there. They're getting censored. They're getting knocked off uh, the internet for just posting things or saying things and losing their jobs. Um, so it's really, I think this becoming a gray man or woman is really important. Uh, we really need to protect ourselves in our career. I mean, any one of us, we lose that job. Suddenly, the financial end is out from under us. So really wanted to bring you all on and talk about being a gray man or woman in uncertain times and what, what that means, what our definition of that means, and then how do we do it? So how does, especially from a preparedness and resilience perspective. So um, do you all have a, a definition for being a gray man or woman? Well, I'll start, and I'm sure Glenn will jump in there too. Um, we've talked about recently especially in light of what happened in the last couple weeks, last three weeks regarding um, the Hunter Biden laptop <laughs> that then, I, believe, I always get them confused, the New York Times got into, made, made their expose on it and Twitter and Facebook suppressed and shut down multiple accounts out there of people just trying to share that link. And just in the last week or so, they've allowed, I believe it, is it the New York Times or New York Post? Post. New York Post to have their Twitter page back. Oh my gosh, the queen has spoken and they get to have their Twitter page back. So we know this here at Prepping 2.0 and Glenn and myself, we know digitally our time is limited. We know eventually we're going to get kicked off of Facebook. We're going to get kicked off. We're going to get kicked off of all those places because Oh my gosh, we talk about prepping. It's so controversial. I know. We have in recent weeks, and it started about the first week of October, created, and luckily there's been new platform created. The alternative to YouTube is Rumble. The alternative to uh, Facebook is MeWe. And I knew others. I know every time I say that, people are like, well, what about this, this, and this? These are what we picked. The alternative to Twitter is Parler. We've chosen all those. We're not going to leave Facebook and Twitter and all those places yet. We're going to let them kick us off, and we're going to have the joy in that. I encourage people to do that. The ways that people, one, communicate these days is via, via and number two, we consume a lot of news. I have to say this. When we jumped over to Parlor and I started, oh, let me go look up Jack Spearco, you know, the great podcaster, the survival pod. Let me go look up all these people that I haven't seen for a long time. Suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, there's all these news sources that I forgot that I just kind of said goodbye to. So I encourage people to do that. The other thing is we're pretty good at doing the gray man thing. How come? Because the two names you see here on these screens are not our real names. I hide my face constantly, mainly because of creepy people out there, not because I believe that this is going to protect me from the... Do this for reasons that we already were concerned about long before all of what's happening is happening. But here's what's about to happen, and I'm going to scare everyone a little bit. We are about ready to watch the election, I believe change. <laughs> Sadly, I hope not. I hope Trump digs in and fights. But I, if Biden becomes president, it has been made clear. The left made it very clear. And I hate to talk about politics, but this is where the collapse is headed. It's going to be a political collapse. And we're about to see it happen. We're about to see Biden and the socialists become president of the United States. You don't think for a moment with all of their hatred towards conservative Trump voters that they're not going to open up the voter rolls and figure out who each one of us are. It's, it's hard these days to be a total gray man unless you never get a driver's license. You never vote. You never um, 
you know, you live completely off the grid where you don't have a water bill or an electric bill. You never use any sort of public service at all unless you live completely on it. And I don't know very many people who have. It's what's going to happen is that we are all going to be revealed. Glenn and I have been docs. You can look and you can find out who we really are. We've just put protective measures in place so that when that day comes, we can defend ourselves. And I think in a, in a very short future, we're all going to be faced with that. If, uh, if the number, if they keep finding ballots to count, let's put it that way. So Glenn, you have some thoughts on this though, too. Yeah. And, a unique perspective, and that is I used to be in Tom's boat when I lived in Olympia, and my identity was super secret. Um, my first wife, uh, who wasn't cool, Shelby is, uh, <laughs> my first wife, uh, is socially absolutely completely unthinkable for her to be married to a wacko prepper. Um, and also my jobs, while well, I've always worked for conservative companies or foundations or think tanks, um, it was still just a terrible idea to be out as this conservative patriot prepper guy. Uh, Christian, too, that that doesn't help um, <laughs> with the acceptance of by the world. And so I completely understand where you're coming from, Tom. And I think a lot of people listening are probably in that boat where they have to stay gray so that they don't suffer the effects of being outed. Right, could be job effects, could be social effects, all of those other things. I don't have a really good way to address that situation. I can just tell you what I did, and this may not work for everyone. Uh, I started a new life. Uh, mm. <laughs> no, um, long ago, uh, a very good friend of mine uh, that works for a very cool company that does very cool things that fit my personality well said he'd been saying for years, "What is it going to take?" for me to get you to move to this small town and be general counsel for this company. And I didn't have a good answer because my first wife wouldn't let me move, blah, blah, blah. And then as the um, first wife was no longer a consideration, I said, I'm going to take you up on that offer. So Shelby and I moved to a very rural place. Yes, we're in Washington state, but trust me, it's, it ain't Seattle like Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And it's, strategically in an amazing place, extremely well suited for preparedness. Um, I won't describe why, but anyway, so picked up, moved my life. And obviously my company uh, that I work for, they absolutely love that, that I do this and they totally encourage it and it's all good. So if you're trying to keep things under wraps, um, I don't know of a way to do it. And, and I, it would be great if we could come on the show and tell everybody how they could do it. But we, we don't know of a way. We take some pretty minimal precautions, use fake pen names. Um, we generally hide where we are. We don't advertise it and all of that. But that's about it. Now, so it seems like people want to be gray, as I mentioned, in order to mitigate the effects of being outed. The only solution we have is to not worry about to to be in a position to not worry about being outed because for example you you work for a very conservative company in a very rural squared away place and you have a really cool spouse um i don't know if those things line up for everybody but what's that Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, so anyway, that, that's what we came up. That's the big point to sum it up would be, 
I don't think you can stay gray nowadays with technology. And instead of being gray, you need to focus on being resilient and not needing um, a corporate job, not needing, you know, social standing, picking your own new friends, picking up and moving and getting your own new friends, um, not caring about what, you know, Uncle Billy and Aunt Tilly say at the Thanksgiving dinner because they're a bunch of whacked out communists <laughs> from the rest of society. Um, that's a crazy thing to say and not easy, but trust me, I've lived this. Shelby's lived this. We don't know of another way. There's no drive through easy solution. There's no way to download an app and this works. Um, you've just got to be self sufficient, be on your own. Uh, and, and be with like-minded people. I don't mean be alone, but just go and find that little place and go do you. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Jay, you want to jump in? Yeah, we, we've got – I mean you guys are making some great points. Uh, a while back, I just – I made some notes, so I'm going to go down and just barrel through them. Uh, to me, being a gray man, is the goal is to be forgotten except by the people that you want to remember you, meaning <laughs> – Glenn talks about community. So passing in and out of social situations and, you know, meetings with people that, oh, yes, I, I really don't remember him. No logos on your clothes, minimal insignia, neutral colors as far as like a wood piece of road at like a practical standpoint. Um, the idea is to blend in. A good example is you think of these certain groups that are out causing it's rioting, right? You can't isolate one particular person. It's just an entire group of people. Whereas certain sides of these street scuffles and riots and fights and violence and ultimately death get immediately identified. This guy works here. This guy does this. This guy does that. This is his name. Here's his social security number. His credit card has this much debt on it, you know, so on and so forth. Um, your goal is to just kind of blend in. That's what I take the great idea. Shelby brought up the idea of being on these different social network systems. I personally, this is about as comfortable as I get with social hmm. media anymore. Um, and That's there's true. a very distinct reason for it. I don't have a business. I don't run anything that, you know, would I, I, I watch what I say and I don't run anything that I would need to have as a resilient backup platform for that very reason. But if you kind of segueing into that, think about China has their social capital system, right? Yep. The government has instituted, right? The United States has the same thing. You got busted saying something on Twitter. You got banned from Twitter. You got fired from your job because human resources didn't like what you said. The only difference is it's corporate backed and not government backed. So it exists here in America. You're getting the same treatment. It's just that you think you're in the freest country in the world. Um, and then the great idea versus the resiliency, like you said, having that backup plan, having the side hustles, having all that stuff. When you, when you put together the idea of being resilient, what would you happen? What would you do like a lot of Americans right now? If the paycheck stopped, mm -hmm. if that two week or monthly paycheck, some people every week, but uh, if that income stopped, do you have a backup plan? Do you have another way to make an income? And what are your steps to make that happen? 
that that's those are the questions that I've been asking myself as of lately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just it. And you know, I know you two have started, you know, author podcasts, you got other things going on, affiliates, everything else. And some of us are behind that in the, you know, as a train goes, you're the engine and some of us are at the caboose level, right? So <laughs> we're coming along, but I, I think that's a, that's, that's something that we've been that I've taken upon myself now with the relaunch of small scale life recently is to interview small business owners and say, what are the challenges? What are the opportunities? What held you up and try to inspire people to go to that extra level to start a business, to start it. I mean, we are so used to just doing the nine to five. Yes, sir. Thank you for the paycheck. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for the paycheck. And then what happens when that's gone? So, and it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, there are some gig economy things you can get into, but man, they really pound the rates on those. So what do you all think about side hustles, extra jobs, you know, that kind of thing? I'd love to talk about that because um, when Glenn and I got together, gosh, it's been three years now, when we, when we merged households and we got together, we just had, we, we were just, you know, all right, you're doing this for a living. This is how we're going to pay the bills. And what's come out of that in the last three years, and this is where I give people hope. And I, and I talk to people about this when they're talking about, all right, we're going to go, we're going to relocate. We're going to do the prepping thing and we're going to get out of the city. And um, we had the opportunity at the time to um, run an Airbnb near where we live. And that's something we'd never done before. But we're like, all right, let's do this. See what happens. Well, figured it out. Oh my gosh, that was a nice little side business. That's now expanded into two properties. One of them is the cabin, which is great. It's the now cabin from the books. Yep. Cabin from the books. So that is paying for itself. Um, books is definitely a side business. Our podcast, radio show is a side business and growing. And this is, we've done all this in three years. There's, I, I encourage people, whatever your talents are, try to find different streams of income and I was stuck in the rut for a long time like well my income it's what it's my nine to five that's my income actually my nine to five honestly is what pays for health insurance because I'll tell you what it's not great pay pays for the health insurance so that's 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 what's going on there but encourage people find those opportunities around you and think outside the box use your you know your god-given entrepreneurship while we still have it here in the united states and, and i and i think one good thing that came out of covid if, if that's even possible people started finding these thinking outside the boxes these extra side gigs these extra that fit them in their lifestyle because they were forced to really we're big proponents of that that's what makes us great as america is that we can have these we're not just you know you have to do this you have to do that and we have to do what the government says but side businesses they're what they are what's going to save us honestly in the next few years i believe but glenn might have some thoughts too yeah uh several thoughts on this one is and, and again having been um the the corporate lawyer guy you know in the suburbs i can really relate to this one thing, and it's the hardest of all of this, is to realize you don't need all that stuff. <laughs> uh, so easy to say, and I'm not virtue signaling. Um, I don't live a Spartan lifestyle, really. But uh, you don't need all that stuff. You, you know, it's like, well, why do I need a 401k? Because I'm pretty sure that stuff's going to melt away here pretty soon. Inflation or a variety of other ways it could go away. Why do I need this? Why do I need this? What really? Um, 
a forty, sixty thousand dollar SUV to drive kids around to like sports practices and ballet and stuff. Is that really the only path in life? Again, you could be uh, hemmed in uh, by a spouse, um, and so uh, not suggesting you get a divorce, but I'm saying you know that could be a limiting factor for a lot of people. Um, and so you don't need all that stuff. Here's another thing. And, and Jay was talking about this a little bit, um, about losing your job and what happens, to everything. A lot of people here in the next few months are not going to have a choice. There's going to be massive job cuts, the economy. Um, even if Trump litigates his way to winning, I mean, I hope he does, but I mean, even if that happens, there are a variety of economic problems that are going to unfold. Um, that's a four-hour show that we don't have time for, but suffice to say, a lot of people – here's my point. A lot of people are all of a sudden going to be without that normal corporate job, and they're going to be forced to do something about it. And there's two ways to go about it. One is to cry and sit around the suburbs and feel sorry for yourself. The other way to go is to – move out in the country, live on a whole lot less and just deal with it. So there's some thoughts. And so here's some, another set of specific, Oh, by the way, it's a much lower cost of living out here in the country, much lower for a variety of reasons, not just wages and taxes, but just the expectations, the lifestyle, you can get away with being comfortable out here for a lot less. Here's another angle to all of this when it, as it relates to prepping, it may not be exactly what you were asking about, but being the good politician I am, I'm going to say what I want instead of answering the question. <laughs> but um, That's wonderful. Prep- Please be bigly. <laughs> <laughs> but prepping and side hustles uh, intersect, and here's mm-hmm. how. Shelby mentioned do something that you're interested in all of that and gain some skills. Totally agree with that. The job slash skills, whatever it is that you have now, could end up being the way you barter – and make it through what's coming. Um, classic, classic example. I, it, no one ever talks about this. I illustrate it in my books. Um, but that is a lot of guys are into tactical stuff, which is good if done correctly. And it's not just an excuse to buy stuff, but if you really work with a team of guys and get really good and all of that, when the collapse happens, your skill, your job, your side hustle, whatever you want to call it, could be security. And I think a lot of people are going to feed their families by providing security for other people. And it doesn't take a gigantic, dramatic, cataclysmic, absolute collapse for this to happen. I think for a variety of reasons, we have a show called The Cartelification of America. We have a private military contractor and special ops friend of mine uh, come on. And he talks about how we're we're going to start looking like many other places in the world where cartels, and I don't just mean like Mexico, although that's a good example. Cartels kind of run things. Well, when cartels are kind of running things, people need stuff. They need protection. They need people who can navigate among the corrupt police. And that's not a rip on law enforcement right now. I'm saying in the scenario of cartelification, you know, things are mildly to severely corrupt. They're going to need people that can just kind of get this stuff done. That could be you. And so skills, side hustles, and barter jobs uh, can merge into one. But the the extra money from side hustles is liberty, mm. absolute sure. liberty. We are able to do things now um, because of the books and podcasts and Airbnbs that we couldn't do. And I don't just mean spend money. That's, that's not what I'm getting at. For example, 
Shelby can have a job that doesn't pay as much as previous jobs she's had, and that's okay. Um, and that's liberty. <laughs> and it makes all of us happier. So anyway, those are those are some thoughts about that. Yeah, and during our financial freedom discussions, we talk about steps of freedom or degrees of freedom, right? And if you're if like when we lived in Illinois and I was a sole breadwinner and consulting was drying up, railroads called me and said, you know, you're a tool, you're like the computer on my desk and I'm just turning you off because I got to keep my people employed. That was a real blow. And so um, when you have a huge mortgage, you're all strung out on credit card debt, cars, phones, the whole deal, data plans. There is no freedom there. You are essentially a debt slave. And if you can figure out how to reduce your debt, eliminate debt, build up a safety fund, emergency fund, and you put some away, that gives you some freedom, right? And if that job does go away, like, you know, American Airlines laying off 30,000 people or whatever, you can kind of walk away and say, okay, I've got a small mortgage and we can make this happen, right? We can figure it out. But when it's $2,000, you can't go get a job at Walmart. It's not going to make it. You've got to get something bigger and better and more stressful too. So there's some stress involved in some of those bigger, higher paying jobs too. And if you eliminate that, suddenly you're not as strung out and stressed out too. There's some health benefits there too. So oh, Tremendous health benefits. I can speak to that. I thought of another aspect of all this. Um, so I kind of want to go back to it. And that is this. If what we think, Shelby and I think, and many people listening think is going to happen, um, things like food uh, are going to be either somewhat scarce or extremely expensive. Kind of a side hustle in a sense, but it is liberty. If you are um, gathering up food, for example, all these people with all these big, cool jobs and all these giant mortgages, first of all, a lot of them are going to lose their jobs and know what to do. But second of all, even if they keep their jobs, the stuff they really need – like food is going to cost more. If you have that stuff, you don't have to spend inflated dollars that you may not have on stuff. You can just take care of yourself and it makes it makes it a lot more tolerable. You have a lot more room to maneuver if your basic needs are taken care of. And of course, that would apply to things like make sure there's heat and stuff like that. You need enough for, you know, utilities and that kind of stuff. So that's another way of looking at it. Um, the world isn't a large wage, large tax, large cost suburban living. Um, it's it's different. And she'll be so right about COVID. I think the Zoom revolution now is, is to, I mean, what are we doing tonight? I mean, it's StreamYard, yeah. but same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there are those things. So don't look at the world like it was the past five years because absolutely everything's changed in the past few years, 2020 in particular, obviously. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and we um, purchased some land uh, over in western Wisconsin, and during this whole COVID crisis, somehow we didn't stay locked down. But anyway, we bought some land, and there were lots for sale in our little neighborhood. Well, they're on now, so people are looking to get out. This yeah. Zoom gig economy, doing this, you can work from anywhere now. There was a consultant that was very traditional that I worked for once upon a time. And uh, it's the kind of thing where the owner was standing by the door with his watch and saying, oh, you're five minutes late. Now they're sending up. I didn't really understand at the time, but now I do and I get it. And it's like, that's that's an interesting way to live. That's a very interesting story to tell, too. In and in a, you can live the way you want to, not having just the nine to five carpools and commutes and all that stuff. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you guys aren't you guys 
seeing and recognizing, I mean, I can't be the only one here. Um, the idea there's been sort of a shift and certain people are understanding that there is strife, tension and pressure in the cities. I have a couple of friends in real estate in various locations throughout the country. They said that they've had offers for homes that are worth, I will say, $400,000. And people will offer them 700000 cash on the spot for a house that's 50 miles away, closest suburb. It's, I mean, it's turned into a market where it's, I, I related back to like the market. You know, we would have scoffed at the idea of like buying rounds of five, five, six, ten years ago. It would have been what, 13, 14 cents a round, yep. 20 at its peak. Now the stuff is trading like Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, a dollar fifty, a dollar sixty around. Are we shooting bear at 50 cal? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> so it's Every the way things, right? <laughs> the way, the way things are shifting. People are starting to understand that that restlessness that's building and the way things are going, it's not going to get better. It's just not. And you can chalk it up to mental health. You can chalk it up to the flu. You can chalk it up to voting and, you know, inequality or perceived inequality or whatever it might be. But it's not going to get it's not you're not coming back. You're not going back to what it was. And that fits uh, Shelby's face mask right there. Um, <laughs> it's it's a shift. And you're going to see that shift. And along with that shift comes a few things. And one of those things, like Glenn said, for security, like patrols. I can't remember which book it is, um, but the neighborhood patrols in the suburban neighborhoods. I know a couple places outside of Seattle that are doing that. Mm-hmm. So, oh, well, we so saw something to think about. We saw that in North Minneapolis. And can I, oh. can I can I jump in on that one too? Sure. Um, oh, we're going to we're going to see so many private military contractors. The more we defund police, I hope you guys can hear me. I wanted to jump on something Jay said. Um, Glenn and I have talked about this a couple of times on our show, and we did a talk about it at a recent prep expo. 61%, actually, the majority of Americans, this is a month ago, majority of Americans, this is a poll, are bracing for a second where there's actually a police department that can do something. And it's been, there's been this, since COVID, this huge uptick in the whole preparedness community for this, for what's happening right now. So, and, and what he was just saying about, you know, these, to buy, to come out, to, for someone to come and offer you cash 50 miles away from suburbs, that's like, all right, I can still have my job. I can still go to Costco and I'm away from downtown. I see a lot of suburbs and just outside the suburb locations booming because of this very thing. It's a very startling poll. And I can read the numbers if you want, but that 60, those two numbers, 61% of the population is preparing for so it's a lot. That's Trump would be president with sixty percent. Okay, to be honest, so it takes seventy one percent in Philadelphia. But no, I'm just kidding. And and part of the <laughs> they found ten more. And then everyone's moving right now because they're getting they're moving to places to get away from this drive. So this is crazy and not and so that's why you're saying that. Oh, can I please let me write you a check? I think that's part of it. 
These are unprecedented times that we live in, and prepping is a big part of it, and it's not going away. By the way, Dan, Dan the food industry guy, just to make everyone feel really good right now. Uh, not. I doubted him when he said this. He said this was in September, and he said all indicators tell him he's never wrong so far, And I, but I doubted him on this one, that there's President Biden. It's going to happen here again. So here we go. Yeah, he's a, by the way, Dan is a food industry CEO and how we stumbled into him is a miracle. And he'll say things like, uh, it was episode, let's see, he was on in April on Prepping 2.0 and in September he was on twice. And he'll say, and he's not being working, he's not name dropping, but he'll say things like, and my favorite one is, I was on a conference call yesterday with the CEO of a trucking company. Everyone would recognize the name of the company. And uh, he said they're not going to be able to get nearly as much food out to the following distribution centers. I mean, it's that kind of stuff. One quick uh, anecdotal story that really amplifies all this at our Airbnb, which is, you know, outside of Seattle. Um, in the magic zone. In the magic zone, yes. One of the guests, I was talking to him, and I casually said, what do you do? He's literally a rocket scientist, like like for Jeff Bezos, Blue Origin, where he's a rocket scientist. And he said, we're coming out here to this company and we're looking at a bunch of places. We're staying at Airbnbs. The kids love it. Um, there's there's no you know COVID stuff out here, it seems like. And we're looking at stuff because he said, I can do what I need to do anywhere there's good internet. Rocket scientists are moving out of the big cities he was a he was a pretty kind of liberal millennial type guy. I mean, a logger, and he felt good enough out in the country. Pardon me to go do his thing. So there you go. That's the classic example of what you're talking about. Another friend of ours uh, is a realtor in in this rural county we're talking about. Not rural, but this far enough out, the ideal distance county. And he said at one point in July, this has since changed, but at one point in July. Uh, there was no housing stock. Zero. Never happened before. So there you go. Tons and tons of anecdotal information. Another thing I'll make about moving, and I don't want to sound dire, and, and I don't set, like hard to achieve goals, but I will say this. We had Matt Bracken on the show. He's been on the show several times. Novelist and former SEAL, and he's like, he's like a, I don't know, mind reader, prophet guy. Um, and, and I was stunned when I said, I said, so what are the top three things you'd recommend to preppers? He said, oh, that's easy. Location, location, location. He said, move out of the cities. And this was, this is February before start stuff started popping off. So I size enough and I know how hard it is because I've gone through it. So Shelby, move out of the cities. I mean, move. It's not going to get any better and you're going to, you're going to be happier. So soapbox rant over. No, I, I can totally back that up. Anecdotal, of course. Um, this we when we bought this property, I mean, it's we got to build a house out there, so we're still in the states. All of these governors put moratoriums on rent. In other words, everyone gets to a whole; they don't have to pay their rent for a long time. Feel bad for the property owners at this point, but those moratoriums are about to be lifted, and in most of those states, I know for here in, or, in Washington, Oregon, down the. Then you now owe, if you're a renter, you now owe all of that back rent. There is about to be a huge um, crash amongst apartment dwellers who suddenly have to pay their rent. Or there's going to be a crash of property owners because the moratorium's never lifted. So we're about ready to see 
another devastation. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but that can't, you can't, these people can't keep going for paying rent. Yep. So anyway, you, that's something to add to that. We have a whole, we have a world of hurts ahead of us. You see the, uh, there's articles out there already about the uh, housing market or the rental market in New York, uh, New York City and other urban areas out in the East Coast starting to collapse already because they just can't get renters. And and I've seen art, other articles saying, wow, they've really got to woo the millennial and now the Zoomer uh, clientele because they have standards and, and they just, they're not going to take just what you give them and they're not going to be satisfied with just that same old drudgery job. They they want something meaningful. They want something good. And so it's going to be tougher for landowners to to satisfy that that tougher. <clears throat> okay. So, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I had something and I lost it. Come Never on, mind. Jay. Speak up, brother. You're here. You're getting old, man. You're getting old. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's is. like. Yeah, yeah, I, Get off my lawn. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> I, it's it's widely accepted in our culture today that the cities are the center of economic progress and all this other stuff, right? That's what people would have you believe. What better way to become a gray man or gray woman than to move away from those centers? slip back into the shadows and get back away from Mm -hmm. those urban centers for all the reasons just listed. I just, I figured that would sum it up nicely. I, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about that. So, so one question as we think about moving out of centers and moving into rural areas, like I'm, we're preparing to do. So you finally got that raw land or just built your house where do you start as a what what do you start to do to uh start prepping there i know a, a, one of our guys he's uh wow. he just built a house and he asked that question so john this is for you buddy <laughs> big topic yeah um let's see shelby looked like she had some thoughts she realizes the bigness the hugeness of the topic totally what are some of your thoughts Bigly, the biggest oh topic. goodness! Here's here's we had this discussion when we were looking for properties. First of all, we are not young. <laughs> no, we did we did not have the bandwidth to build a house. You're talking about a pretty long time commitment to do that, and we're too old. <laughs> we're just we're like we don't have the time. We don't want to do that. So then it becomes finding a property that we can work with. And God was good. Honestly, we found a property that um, was a little bit beaten up because the previous owner was elderly and not able to keep keep up the house. So it was a little beat up. He he got a lot lower than he wanted because of that. Because other people could he like he was asking X number of dollars, but you could go find a house in much better condition for X number of dollars. So, but what came with that house? fit us really well it, it came with a greenhouse right off that huge greenhouse it came with a huge piece of property that, that we can put um extra outbuildings for um small animals if you follow me you know we've done chickens recently we've just got we've got our our rabbits ready to go here soon we need to get a few more things in place but so think about how old you are think about your resources 
think about what you have the bandwidth to do. When we first first bought this property, I was working 12 hour, 12 hour a day, 12 hours a day, and I was working 100 hours of overtime a night. There's no way we would have been able to build anything with that kind of, I had no free time. So think about what you're able to do and then think about what you want. Do we? Do you want, you know, a greenhouse? Do you want small animals? Do you want livestock? Do you want, what do you want to do with, your ideas for what will make you be able to sustain yourself on your property and look for it, especially in rural communities. You can kind of pick and choose a little bit because people who live in rural communities build those kind of properties. So, you know, I'm not going to give you the a cookie cutter to that because it's really personal. But what did come with our, our property was a rental unit. Wow. All right. that Making us money. Yay. Uh, so... There's, you know, there's a blessing with that. So I hope that helps to go into it with a homesteading prepper grid over your eyes. Before, Don't just go in there. Oh, look, it has pretty granite. Car- no. <laughs> look for something that meets your needs. Yeah. Does that help? A couple, couple of thoughts on that. One of the things we did right, actually, we did a ton of stuff right. I don't think because we were trying to or we were brilliant. Uh, God was involved and we got really lucky. So there's that. But one of the things that we didn't do was try to find a place that had absolutely everything that was perfect. It's got to have a small nuclear reactor because, of course, we need power (laughs) on the property. Of course, you know, well, none of these places seem to have a nuclear reactor. So, I mean, I guess we can't, you know, do any of that. Um, So we weren't looking for perfection. We ended up putting a lot of effort into the place. I don't mean rebuilding. I mean, on the out, we, we logged the place. It was overgrown with alder and blackberry bushes Mm. and come to find out, and this is going to sound weird, but it's true. After we removed two and a half log trucks of alder, that's a lot of, that's a lot of alder and a bunch of blackberries. We have a magnificent view of the water and mountains and islands and crazy cool stuff that we we could tell on a map that that stuff was there, but we couldn't really see it. So that's another example of putting in a, a medium amount of sweat equity and, and building it up. And that, and that turned out really well. That's not really a prepping thing. That's just a quality of life thing. By the way, don't lose sight of quality of life in all of this. Um, it's not just about having like 10 million MREs. Um, it's not about that. And another thing that I was told would happen, but I didn't really believe it. And it turns out it's true is that especially with a couple, when you're doing stuff to the home and this probably does not apply to internal remodeling because that's pretty stressful. But when you're doing stuff like, um, obviously I didn't log this, you know, myself, I, somebody else did and, and all of that. Uh, when you, I don't know, it sounds so corny. When you put your hands in the dirt and you cut down a bunch of trees and you do stuff and the sweat of the brow and all that stuff, it's true. It's really good. It brings you as a couple even closer together. And that property is even more yours because you made it into something different. And it's extremely satisfying. I didn't expect that. I mean, I thought it would probably be pretty cool. I didn't expect it. And then, and we did all kinds of stuff, chicken pens, we did drainage, we did a bunch of other things that, by the way, was uh, possible because of side hustles. There's that. Um, so it's very, very satisfying to do it. Don't expect perfection. Um, 
you got to get off, you know, YouTube and, and, mm-hmm. and seeing all these tours of these amazing places. Um, if you've got a couple million bucks, then by all means, I mean, I'm all for it, but it doesn't have to be that way. Another thing that's really important, especially in a, in a rural location, um, this is probably obvious to most people. Uh, and that would be neighbors, uh, get to know your neighbors, be cool to your neighbors. There's a different, there's a different deal out in the country. Um, you know, if, if there's a load of gravel coming and people are going to gravel the common road, that's all got potholes in it. Cause it rains a lot in Western Washington. Um, be part of the crew that's shoveling gravel, you know, that kind of stuff. It goes a really long way and you can't, can't take your suburban mindset. And if you live in the suburbs, you're probably a nice person. I'm not saying you're mean, but it's a different, it's a different thing. So keep the, the neighborhood, the neighborly stuff in mind. By the way, sometimes it's kind of a pain because sometimes these neighbors and Shelby do not go off, please. Sometimes these neighbors can end up being total jerks too. So <laughs> it's not all, it's not all lovely. Oh, we'll, add, we'll add Jay back here. There we go. Yo, I totally agree with that. And uh, we've been meeting new neighbors, um, well, new to us, but neighbors uh, around us and such nice guys, such nice people. And uh, we had this old timer. He owned the property before. And uh, he's like, yeah, there's access down the river, which is another thing you talked about. Water. Yep. Water is life. You, That was <laughs> one critical factor when we picked this property spiritually. Uh, water is life in case the well goes out or something power goes down we've got water we've got fish we got eagles all over the place we're not gonna eat those but you know you've got you've got offered food and and scenery and water and all those things but uh, the guy said yeah there's an access down here and it just needs to be cleaned out and we're cleaning out buckthorn like crazy it's a great teamwork thing right it's it, we're doing it together and uh, we're like, yeah, we can do that'll be a project in the near future. We're going to do this together with the whole community. We're going to we're going to do that project and we're going to make that a reality for for good old Clay, my next door neighbor. So I'm really excited about that. Exactly. Jay, you look, looks, one looks thing, like you're coming in. One thing that sorry, I, uh, I dropped audio for some reason. Um, one thing that really helped me and Glenn and Shelby, you both know, I really enjoy the books the series of books are great. Um, if you're looking for sort of a blueprint on how to do this and you enjoy fiction that is, you know, well-written, I actually used the first couple of books of yours, Glenn, as the template for starting this process. And Tom will verify this because I, mm-hmm. Hey man, you got to listen to these books. Yeah. Like we, we and so I'm cool. sure that I'm sure the I'm sure I'm the only person on the planet who's ever said that ever, right? You, you know, based on every prepping show I listen to. Oh man, there's these books, man. Lit, written by Glenn Tate. You got to listen to these things, man. There's ten of them. They're incredible, you know. And so every show that I'm on, I hear those books come up. Well, I started listening to them, and. I think that character, the main character, I think he speaks to a lot of what's going on right now. Now that that window is slowly but surely closing, and at some point it's going to slam shut. But the proverbial window of how much time you have to get this stuff ready. The way the books are laid out, it's a blueprint for more for how to be prepared, how to set things up. 
and how to tactically change your mindset to get things going. Now, what Tom talks about, namely, is gardening, minimal, like a minimalism kind of setup, you know, financial strength, fitness, those type of things. And that all ties in. But if people are looking for a blueprint, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be your, your pitch man for a little bit, Glenn. <laughs> it's those books, the way that they are set up, you have an entire population of families that are in the position that your main character is in, in the suburbs, not happy, out of shape, not willing to put in the hard work. And they probably couldn't do it if they tried. But at one point they did this, they ran for four touchdowns for Polk High. That's a married with children. Reference. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, life's um, fair. <laughs> um, but that's that's your template. Now, I don't know if there's going to be a government, soft government shutdown based on economic collapse. Hint, there probably will. But that's a good framework and that's a good place to start. I could see, as it was being written, I could see the cabin. I can see it. I know it's a real place. You told me it's a real place and you rent the place out. But I could see, like, man. Where he's describing, pretty sure I know exactly where that is. So. <laughs> well, I have to thank you. That's I, I appreciate it, and it never gets old because I can't believe that the books turned out as well as they did. They were divinely inspired because I'm I'm just not that creative, and uh, but I'll say that. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense with sort of like suburban guys, ex suburban guys like like us. Shelby's books. <laughs> Um, speak to in that same way, especially single women or suburban women who don't have a real uh, vigorous husband. And um, and she has and she has brought a lot of. We get a lot of comments, a lot of feedback on this. A lot of single moms think how hard it would a single mom, or I'll say like functionally a single mom. I mean, the husband is like on the couch all the time and watching football and you know engaged. Age, then you're kind of a single mom. Um, th- think how scary that would be. So her books have brought a lot of people into that from that perspective. And as far as we know, we actually don't read prepper fiction books. I don't because I don't have any time. Um, but anyway, as far as we know, her books are the only ones that are from the perspective of a single mom prepping. And uh, so I know none of us on here are single moms, um, but that's a huge chunk of the population. And I'm glad she wrote those books to speak to that because we don't want to forget. I mean, women are 50 percent of the population, um, obviously, and we don't want to forget this huge segment of people out there um, because they're a huge segment of the population. And also door right when you're the squared away one and the single moms from the cities that you know like your sister or something like that and you need to understand how how they think and how things work and the challenges they have anyway yes well and if i can add to that with all this these covid lockdowns we're not hearing it yet but if you're a single mom and you just lost your job because of covid or you haven't been able to work because of covid your collapse is now That's a really good point. And we all remember, I mean, I've got pictures from all across the country of empty shelves, you know, no meat, no eggs, limits on canned goods, 
pancake mix, forget about it. Uh, toilet paper, water, remember all that? That was completely gone for weeks. And it's coming back. It's going to it's it's return. It's starting again, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, imagine being a single mom and you've got shortages, no job. I mean, good grief, kids that are trying to do Zoom and you've got to somehow to you know keep them in classes that are virtual, but you're don't have money to pay for the internet. I mean, man, it stacks up fast. I mean, Jack Spirko talks a lot about stacking. You can have good stacks and you can have some bad stacks and, and then things go really askew really fast. So absolutely. Now I know we're all watching the time. Uh, I think you all have to dip out pretty quickly here. Well, I do. I don't know about Glenn, but I might be out here in a couple minutes, but yeah. Do you want to uh, do you want to say your goodbyes and where we can find you and where we can find all your wonderful books? I would be glad to. Yes. Yeah, so sorry, I'm going to cut out, but I'll let Glenn stay here. I got to go get my kid. Um, check out my website, agreatstate.com. But the best place to go for all of that is actually our prepping two prepping 2.0 website which is prepping 2-0.com you can launch from there and see my books where to order them same with glenn's books you can also go to our shopping link and you can these are not going away anytime soon and especially with the election going on what a great way to really we used to think it was fun to wear these when we were forced to wear masks now we might be living in, Amer- in an America we really, truly don't recognize anymore. So we have a lot of fun things over there at Prepping 2-0. And you can listen to past episodes. So really encourage you to, you know, everything that we do, that Glenn and I do, that's a great place to start. And I appreciate all your listeners. Thank you so much for having us on. I'm going to say goodbye because I got a kid that needs to be picked up. But thank you guys so much. Thank you so much, Shelby. We really appreciate your input and being on the show today. Really appreciate it. We'll do it again sometime. Good to talk to you again, Shelby. I'll stick around. What the heck? Yeah, why not? Your beer's <laughs> not done yet, right? No. no. <laughs> so here's a question for you. you. You talked about Spartan, well, maybe not living a Spartan lifestyle per se, but uh, we do have, uh, we have prepping, homesteading, and we have minimalism. And you know what minimalism is, right? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you square being, this is a question that's, we, my wife and I have talked, Julie and I have talked about how do you square being a prepper and also being a minimalist at the same time? Minimalism, you don't have big piles of stuff hanging about. Um, what do you think about that? I see them as uh, potentially being very similar, overlapping, but potentially not overlapping very much at all. Um, it would make sense to um, be a minimalist and a prepper and just have a more simple lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. Makes sense, and that's a good way to go. Uh, Shelby and I have sim- and I have simplified our lives pretty significantly, but we have not gone to the level anywhere close to minimalism. So I don't want to come across as, you know, Mr. Minimalist and then, like, go sit in the hot tub, right? I'm not <laughs> – <laughs> so, uh, which I'm going to do. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. No, I'm going to start taking my clothes off here. No, I'm I'm not going to do that. (laughs) We're going Um, blue on small scale life. Look out. (laughs) But um, so, I I mean, they they could be very overlapping or they could be different. Um, Prepping is, of course, just having stuff and skills and being able to handle situations and all of that. Um, uh, Let me put it this way. I think 
prepping and being sort of a urban or suburban dweller in the traditional sense that we've been talking about, I think is virtually impossible because I think the best you could do is let's say you live in a, a fancy suburb of a city and you make a lot of money. You happen to have, you know, tons of freeze dried food and guns and stuff like that. Um, that's better than nothing. Um, hopefully you have a big like U-Haul truck or a container mm-hmm. to get it all out of there because the real problem is being where you're at that, and you need to be adaptable to move. So, um, that's an interesting question. Um, I, we, we did a whole show, by the way, on the other thing you talk about, which is homesteading, yeah. prepping and minimalism. We did an entire episode. The number uh, we're on, we, we just uploaded episode 105 like a few minutes before we came on. So we've got 100 plus episodes. I don't remember all the numbers. But we did a show specifically with a good friend of ours named Derek, who had uh, an amazing homestead. He moved from California um, this year because he terrible place to live and he had to abandon his uh his amazing homestead there are similarities differences between homesteading and prepping homesteading is pretty far along in the prepping spectrum because you're already largely Mm -hmm. self-reliant no one i think will ever be self-sufficient i mean if i need like a heart replacement um unless i have a twin brother uh who i can kill and take his heart and a surgeon (laughs) These are very unlikely things to happen. Um, I think Shelby cringed a little bit when I said that. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you can't be totally uh, self-sufficient, but largely self-reliant. There's a bit of a divergence sometimes between what I consider prepping and homesteading with particular kinds of homesteaders. And this is cool. I'm not knocking it, but I think it's short-sighted on their part. And that would be homesteaders that are all about gardening and beekeeping and having chickens and stuff, but they, they want nothing to do with guns. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that that's cool. I mean, rock on, that's not, it's not my, you know, style, but instead falls apart even more than it already has. And it'll be accelerated and way bigger than the summer of 2020 when things are really nasty, not having any guns means that a motorcycle gang is going to have a lot of honey from your hives um and you know they're going to be eating delicious fresh vegetables and um you're gonna be dead so Mm -hmm. that's a problem so um there's that so all these things overlap but they differ in some ways and here's the thing people need to just make it into whatever works for them we have all kinds of different you know, social settings, geographic settings, uh, spouse stuff, health things. That's a big thing. If you have to be by a big hospital with a ton of capacity because you have a very rare disease um, or some kind of condition, then then frolicking in the country is not going to happen. And that's yep. cool. That's the, that's the cards you've been dealt. And it's all about a, adapting and, and making the best of the situation. There's no awesome situation that's awesome for all. Yeah. And you, your book really covered that where, um, your characters went into that hospital and it was like a scene from the walking dead, you know, where things kind of went down and people needed drugs. They needed, they needed insulin. They needed all these other things. And when it didn't happen, things went bad, really bad. Yeah. So that was a really eye opening part of that book of of your book. It's hard to write. Yeah. Yeah. People are people are arguing over toilet paper at Costco. Imagine what happens when the insulin runs out. Yep. Yeah. Not good. 
not good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was great. Yeah. Thank you for having us yeah. on. This is great. This is a good time. And Jay will confirm. I was nervous having both of you on. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got two authors. I'm really nervous about this. Ah, Jay, help me. <laughs> no, we're harmless. We're fun. I know, totally. I loved it. <laughs> thank you. That was good. Good interviews. Yep. Good stuff. Tom and Jay, yes. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Glenn. You have a great night. I'll send you some links, and uh, we'll be talking real soon. Excellent. Thank you. You guys, too. Have a good evening, everybody. Thank you. Good to talk to you again, Glenn, to you. This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media. This is Sean Conrad. When I'm not reading books, tending to my garden, and having them shaken, not stirred, I'm listening to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Listen to the Small Scale Life Podcast and tell your friends. This is Sean Conrad. Have a wonderful day.